Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about how there are some legitimate questions about a recent mandate. Uh, You're going to find this uh, very interesting and alarming. To help talk about these and other case matters we have with us here today, constitutional law attorney Michael Peffer, who also heads up the Southern California office for PJI. Welcome, Michael. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Now, Michael, we've got some good news this morning. I always like it when we have good news. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes we have bad news. Yeah, sometimes we have nothing but bad news. Nothing but bad news. We've got some (laughs) actually some good news today, and I'd like to start right out uh, talking about a very positive uh, decision that came down uh, from the Seventh Circuit. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, uh, the lower court in Indiana, and it dealt with an Indiana statute requiring medical providers— uh, to report to the state any complications, quote, arising from abortions. Yeah. Uh, that is very, seems like a very solid law. You'd think. The lower federal district court judge, uh, you know, struck this down and said it's too vague and ambiguous. Right. Just too vague as to what is a, a complication or arising right. from. At the urging of our, our uh, arch enemy Planned Parenthood. Yes, uh, exactly. Planned Parenthood is the arch enemy. Definitely. My favorite people to sue. Uh, That's right. Planned Parenthood. Love to sue Planned Parenthood any any way we can. Um, That's that's legitimate. Exactly. But uh, it turns out this went up to the Seventh Circuit. What happened at the Seventh Circuit? Yeah, it's it's good. There was this was a a a law that had put in place, I think, to protect consumers. If we're going to have this evil thing of abortion, there needs to be regulation of abortion clinics. And unfortunately, all too often, there isn't any regulation of abortion clinics. They're like a a protected provider, if you will. Um, But here, uh, Planned Parenthood sued the state over this uh, uh, Senate bill that required them to to report these complications to the Indiana Department of Health. So wouldn't you think that... You know, Planned Parenthood, instead of suing, would try to find a way maybe to comply with the law and maybe work with the Indiana Public Health if you got if there's certain vagaries. But no, not wanting anybody looking into their clinics, they're going to sue over this and try to get that done. Now, I, I'd like people to really digest this. Yeah, that it's very clear. The reason Planned Parenthood filed this lawsuit they don't want to be accountable. They don't want people to know right. about the lives that they, they mess up uh, and mm-hmm. have made, you know, serious potential complications. They don't want people to know about these complications arising from abortions. Yeah. Because it goes against their false narrative. Of, oh, it's just an easy little procedure. Taking out a blob of cells, that's another one of their lies. That's right. So they, they want to cover up. And they, apparently they have something to cover up. Otherwise, they wouldn't object. If they never had complications, why would they care about this? Exactly. This should be a big <laughs> alarm bell to anyone ever wanting to do business with Planned Parenthood That's right. or use Planned Parenthood services. Yeah. And, and interestingly, um, the, the, this idea that somehow they get to do their nefarious deeds in secret is ridiculous. And we're not talking about uh, exposing patient information. We're talking about complications that need to be uh, brought to the public health 
department so that they can review it and maybe either suggest changes or frankly, close down the clinic if it's hurting too many uh, women who go in there for so-called medical care, which is actually just to kill a baby. Yeah. And uh, and I if, if someone <clears throat> as a consumer, I mean, it seems like consumers should know uh, the, the reputation, the track record of, of different clinics and institutions. Some may say, I'm going to ha- have it done at a hospital yeah. with a better track record than this fly-by-night abortion mill that, uh, you know, in and out and has more complications and, and issues. People do die from abortions. They are uh, sometimes permanently sterile yeah. because of the way the abortion procedure is done. Um, so I, I can see right now that uh, this would uh, definitely be, be warranted. Hats off to Indiana. Well, this was struck down. Uh, the, the Seventh Circuit, though, had something to say about this after it came up on appeal. Yep, uh, the, the, the Seventh Circuit uh, reversed this and found that even though the statute might have some ambiguity, that it's, it's not vague enough to be unconstitutional. And, and again, I think we, it, it bears repeating, we've all heard the horror stories of the, the Gosling guy out of New Jersey that they found all these just human remains just stored everywhere, mm. all these problems. So we know there are Planned Parenthood is capable of creating monsters. And, 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 and that's really something that I think the government has an interest in. And so do the women going to these uh, um, uh, clinics. Yeah. And, you know, just uh, when we look at how huge Planned Parenthood is. Yeah. I mean, they, they aren't a tiny entity. They, alone, I think, are responsible, if I remember correctly, for about 300,000, over 300,000 murders of preborn babies wow. a year. Wow. And uh, I believe that at the end of the day, uh, other states are going to be looking at this and, and copying and saying, yeah, we need to hold these abortion mills accountable for all the, the medical things that they're doing to innocent women or deceived women. Uh, who may be having an abortion. Absolutely. And it, it, it's high time. Look, I, it, go, I'm praying that gone are the days when Planned Parenthood can get away with murder. They've been doing it for too long as it is. And 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 I, I hope that it's in the past that we can start now bringing these, this organization, this evil organization to, to, to bear on its um, what it has brought to society, which is just pure evil. And, um, and and the women that come out of there, they're damaged. They already, they come out that way, even if the procedure goes well. So much right. less when there's complications. To it. Yeah. When women have an abortion, uh, they're more likely uh, to have, uh, to be sterile or have uh, complications later on being able to get pregnant. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. Uh, women who uh, have abortions are <clears throat> higher risk for cancer. <clears throat> Uh, that's a fact. Yeah. But worse is is the mental and emotional harm to a woman uh, who has an abortion and then realizes maybe after the fact or even before the process that of of what they they've actually done. Yeah. And that affects their ability as a future mother, oftentimes, particularly if they haven't resolved it and uh, sought forgiveness and repented from it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, it has actually an impact on on parenting, resulting in a higher likelihood of abuse yeah, of children and a ne- neglect of children. So it's it's um, it, it's it has ripples of complications down the road, even after the abortion procedure is done. We have some other good good news. So that yeah. was hats off to Indiana. Hats off to the Seventh Circuit. I, I'm willing to bet that was 
possibly the result of, of one or two uh, Trump uh, court replacements. Yeah. Once again, another example of the uh, the legacy of his administration. But uh, we also see, may see another uh, example of that legacy in another case uh, where dealing with a federal court permanently enjoining the uh, ACA uh, from uh, requiring abortions and transgender mandates on doctors. Yeah. Uh, tell me more. Yeah. So f- first of all, everybody, most will know that uh, ACA is Obamacare and uh, it was brought in without very much. I remember at the time where we got to pass it before we read it. And, and uh, Nancy Pelosi's famous words. And so we, we all knew that there was re- a lot of garbage in there in addition to creating a system we don't need. But but one of the uh, garbage components was to require doctors um, under the ACA to require them to perform abortions, even if they believe in it or not, or perform, perform transgender transformation surgeries, um, which is obviously many uh, physicians and care providers have have a, a, an objection to that and feel like it is goes against their oath to do no harm. Yeah, the uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act uh, was passed, uh, you know, back in the 1990s to yeah. uh, well, to, you know, to protect religious freedom, to protect the ability for doctors not to have to choose between keeping their job and violating their conscience by killing an, a, a preborn baby. Yeah. So it was it's a it's a very powerful piece of legislation. Apparently that's what the court uh, relied upon. The court ruled that quote here uh, RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act violation, uh, the success on its on the merits is all but conceded. No party disputes that the current section 111557 regulatory scheme threatens to burden Christian plaintiffs religious exercise in the same way as the 2016 scheme uh, as a, a colon, namely by placing substantial pressure on Christian plaintiffs uh, in the form of fines, civil liability to perform and provide insurance coverage for gender transition procedures and abortions. Like before, the current scheme continues to fall short of the, the more focused RIFRA inquiry so this judge just spelled it out. Bottom line, yeah. you cannot violate the Religious Freedom Restoration Act uh, with your regulatory mandates requiring that under Obamacare, doctors, nurses, and others violate their conscience by doing a transgender surgery, uh, which is, is sick, you know, cutting off body parts, masochist. Yeah. It's like a legal masochism for a mental condition. And, uh, or in the alternative, requiring them to, to cut uh, to kill preborn babies. So this... Yeah. This is a great decision by the federal court. Yeah, and, and people need to understand. So usually, when you seek an injunction, you 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 apply for a preliminary injunction, which is short lived. It, it, there's usually dates to that. It, you know, while the litigation is ongoing, and so, uh, but but it's designed to be to you know, preserve the status quo. And what? But this litigation has gone on for six years now, ever since the Obama administration. And um, what we're at now is a permanent injunction, which means there's nowhere else to go from here. That this is the state of the law uh, pursuant to this uh, uh, judge, this court's ruling. Now, there's a I would presume a good chance that this is going to be appealed. 
Yes, I'm, uh, sure. I, I'm, I'm sure the other side is not going to say, oh, yes, how, how dare us do this? We are so wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, apology, apology. I just don't think that's going to happen, yeah. especially with this administration, the Biden administration. Uh, they, you know, they want so much to, to cram their agenda. So I think they're going to I think we're going to see an appeal here. So, well, folks, when we return, we're going to talk about how a state is issuing some very dangerous and controversial quarantines. Uh, a, a some important studies showing how people who've had the COVID-19 may actually be more immune than those who've had the vaccine and uh, what that can actually mean from in a practical way to you and your loved ones. And we're also uh, going to talk uh, about uh, the, the vaccine mandate. We, we're going to talk about these and, and other matters when we return right after this. Pacific Justice Institute is here for you. Defending faith, family, and freedom all without charge. We're almost entirely supported by concerned individuals like you who believe in our work. We invite you to prayerfully consider joining our support team by making a one-time donation or becoming a monthly financial support partner. Visit our website at pji.org and join our team today. Welcome back. I'm Brad Dacus, president and founder of Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, Michael, we were just alluding to this uh, a little earlier about the fact that uh, individuals who've had COVID-19, not a false positive test, but actually had COVID-19, actually have a stronger immunity uh, to to COVID or the derivative, uh, uh, you know, the, the Delta. Yes than those who've had the vaccine. And there's actually a very credible study that's yeah. come out to validate this. Uh, what does that study say? What, what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, we teased this yesterday that, that we were gonna talk about the fact that a study out of Emory University, uh, they have um, found that it's, and by the way, this is one, one of the most comprehensive studies that there has been on this issue uh, so far. And um, it, research looked at uh, 254 patients with mostly mild to moderate symptoms of COVID, and uh, over and they looked at them uh, over a period of more than eight months, so 250 days later or so, and found that their immune response was still durable and strong even after eight months. So it really show it puts a lie to all the stuff that we're hearing about. If you have antibodies, that's not good enough. But it's every bit as good as a vaccine, perhaps even stronger. My understanding is every single person in that study uh, had a strong immune system at eight months. I know another study that ended at 10 months and said, yeah, everyone has a strong immunity at 10 months. Yes. Uh, They're now thinking that this could be like the flu virus and other viruses where your immunity actually stays with you possibly for the rest of your life and uh, and kicks in yeah. uh, when they're they're exposed to uh, the a virus or a derivative uh, of the of this virus so like the the delta uh-huh. so uh, this is very encouraging <laughs> for people who've had covid-19 they're being told and pushed and pressured uh, well it doesn't matter if you've had it you need the vaccine you need the That's vaccine right. yeah uh, reality is they they really don't need the vaccine if their immune system is protecting him in a broad way. And now we have actually another study out of the very credible nation of Israel. Uh, What have they discovered that actually gives more fuel to this fire uh, for the rights of people not to have the vaccine if they've already had COVID? 
one thing I just wanted to go back a little bit to the Emory study. It does. It's interesting in that if you had really severe COVID, they're saying that this study shows you have stronger immunity even. And also the older you are and you have COVID, the stronger your immunity may be. So all good news out of Emory. You know, and, that, and that's a real good point because uh, oftentimes people say, well, but they got hit really hard yeah. Or, or yeah, they got hit, but they were really old. And yeah, well, that's, that's actually stronger for them, for their immune system. Right. So elderly people who've had it have an even stronger immunity. People who are hit really hard are actually more immune, not less immune for future uh, COVID-19 infections or, exactly. uh, you know, a Delta infection. So, uh, I think this is, you know, it's, that's very significant. Yeah. I got hit pretty hard. I had a fever for 13 days. Then I had viral pneumonia and I wasn't in the hospital on breathing machines. So I didn't get that Understood. point, but I got hit really hard. Yeah. Uh, I'm convinced my immune system is strong enough to take any kind of COVID, any derivative thereof yeah. for the rest of my life. That's right. uh, so I was, I was glad to hear this about this study, but there's another study out of Israel, yes. which actually is. Uh, encouraging as well uh, with some statistical numbers, and I like I love stat numbers. What what did this Israeli study show uh, that uh, is is very encouraging as well? Yeah, early, we we've heard all the hand wringing from all the the people. Oh, the, 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 you don't have enough antibodies and all that. But here, uh, these uh, the Israeli uh, folks looked and and found that you this it may be longer lasting and stronger than if you uh, got the vaccine so if you had the disease they found similar to emory they found that you could have stronger and longer lasting immunity from having gotten the disease so-called natural immunity which makes sense rather than the vaccinated immunity um such as it is and I'm glad you mentioned the, the natural immunity, yeah, because that's what our body creates, and our our immune system and the antibodies it creates is much broader and much more complete than the man-made antibodies uh, that are triggered and uh, that are developed as a result of the uh, the, the man-made vaccination. So uh, this is encouraging. In fact, I like to give people numbers. Some people love numbers. I love numbers. This is according to Israeli researchers. Researchers a vaccinated uninfected person is 92.8% protected from infection relative to an unvaccinated uninfected person. While an unvaccinated person who tested positive for COVID in the past is 94.8% protected from reinfection uh, relative to an unvaccinated person who did not uh, test positive. So if you've been vaccinated, you have a 92.8% protection from future infection. Yes. But if you've had COVID, if you've actually tested positive, had COVID in the past, you're 94.8% protected. That's uh, two percentage points more of greater protection if you had COVID yeah. than if you were vaccinated. Uh, that's very, very compelling. And I know it says, it says similarly, the vaccinated and COVID positive groups are protected against severe diseases uh, at 94.4% and 96.4% respectively. Uh, against uh, hospitalization, the vaccinated and COVID positive groups so are protected so that the vaccinated has a 94.2, uh, COVID positive 94.1, that's about the same. Bottom line is, if people have had COVID-19, 
they do not need to have the vaccine. And in fact, there's actually a, a reason why they may not want to have the vaccine. Yeah. What, what's Why should people who've been vaccinated be, uh, think twice about just, uh, quote, playing it safe and having the vaccine? There are some 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 potential uh, issues here, aren't there? From having taking the vaccine, even though you've had it, the, the disease and and have natural immunity. Is that right. What, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the the issue here is that uh, you do get a higher uh, a vaccination. You get a higher immunity rate from the uh, natural immunities, and you you're gonna you may actually cause problems with the uh, with your immune response by adding both the vaccine to the natural uh, immunity. Yeah, and in fact. Uh, you know, studies show that people who have already had COVID-19, who then later get the vaccination, are more likely to have more severe side effects yes. than people who just have the vaccine who've never had COVID. So they're actually asking for more severe side effects. And one of those severe side effects for over 6,000 Americans has been death. Right. So, and I know of people who've, you know, lost their, their sight, who've and all kinds of complications, uh, you know, paralysis. I mean, there, this is not a vaccine that is not without severe potential risks uh, to, to individuals. And so to take something that they know they have even a greater likelihood of having severe side effects when their immunity is already greater than what the vaccine could give them, yeah. I mean, that really doesn't make, make much sense. And many doctors are making this very loud and clear uh, to their patients. Uh, those doctors who are uh, not a, a beholden, I guess, to the pharmaceutical companies or politically somehow aligned uh, with Dr. Fauci and, uh, and, and this present regime uh, that he is uh, operating under. This is a, one of the things that really speaks to me about the dangers of a society that come what may will demand that people get a vaccine. You can't work if you don't get a vaccine. You're going to lose your job if you get a vaccine. That's why we at PGI have stood behind these people because many people, are their job's in jeopardy, their schooling is in jeopardy, people are having to postpone their school. Uh, but because we've got this nanny state that wants to demand that we do everything, notwithstanding our own ability to think through the problems, and it's it's really scary, actually, the position that we're in relative to the the government being able to compel people to do something they're diametrically opposed to. Yeah, I know that we have a case uh, among our, our cases, a yes. growing number of cases. We have one case, in, for example, in the state of Washington. Yeah. Where an employee told her boss uh, that she had a religious objection um, to, to having the vaccine. <laughs> Instead of reasonably accommodating her pursuant to Title VII and the requirements of federal statutory uh, laws requiring accommodation, she was just fired. Yeah. No accommodation, no saying, okay, well, I'll let you wear a mask instead, or I'll, I'll let you sit farther away or work out of home. Just right. you're fired. Yeah. So we have a lawsuit you know, filed against this employee, employer on behalf of this employee. Yeah. We are willing to go to bat and file lawsuits against employers all across America. Yeah that engage in this treatment against employees who have religious exemptions, stated religious exemptions, or medical exemptions. Uh, they're protected under the medical exemptions with the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, even if they have a psychological uh, disability or issue yes. involved. 
And if uh, people want to know about their rights, I want to encourage you right now, if you want to know about your rights, you want to protect yourself, protect your family, protect your, your kids going to, to school or to a college, university with outrageous mandates, we've got the golden keys to help protect them from doing something that could have ramifications that go against their conscience or against their health. Uh, and that is a resource called Vaccine Q&A. Vaccine Q&A. It's free. Right now, it's without charge. They can go to our website and, and download this for free, pji.org. P for Pacific, J for Justice, I for Institute.org, pji.org. And while you're there, sign on to be get the legal updates. It's once a week. And we stand ready to represent and defend them without charge yeah. uh, because of the, the, the gracious support of our many partners out there making this work possible. So folks, there you have it. It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, there you have it. It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brian Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.